Welcome to the Too Blessed to Be Stressed podcast, hosted by me, Carolina Sopran. I'm a holistic health and nutrition coach, a Pilates instructor with a background in science and a master's in medical radiations. I'm your stress buster chick, chatting all things stress, helping you, the modern woman, create more balance, calmness and health in life. I used to be just like you, running on adrenaline, stressed 24-7 and a professional perfectionist in all aspects of life. Over the last couple of months, I have wanted to create a platform for stressed, stuck and professional women just like you, empowering and nurturing you to live your most balanced life. I have learned and come up with some amazing tools to help bring more zen into your everyday life. Enjoy. Hello darlings and welcome to season two, episode 14 of the Too Blessed to be Stressed podcast. I'm so, so excited about today's episode because I have the beautiful Katie Gray on the show. Katie's the founder of Holistic Endurance and is a performance coach, sports nutritionist and a self-confessed hormone nerd. Katie has a serious passion for optimizing athletic and human potential, utilizing a sophisticated approach by integrating elements of wellness and performance for the everyday athlete. Katie is the author and podcast host of Healing the Grumpy Athlete and the insanely popular rejuvenation protocol, which has been designed to guide you through embracing your hormones and achieving your athletic potential holistically. In this episode, Katie and I discuss the impact of chronic stress and endurance training, understanding when you are too stressed to train, balancing life and exercise stress in order to train at your optimum level, steps to start your own fitness journey and nutrition around training. I'm so excited to share Katie with you. I will pop all her links in the show notes and she's even given us a special discount for all the listeners of the Too Blessed to Be Stressed podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview. Hello, Katie, and welcome to the Too Blessed to Be Stressed podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I think uh, when I read it was called Too Blessed to Be Stressed, I was like, this is my jam. This is the place for me. Amazing. I love that. Um, So one of the first questions that I always start off the podcast with is asking the guests, what is the one thing that you do often to help you reduce stress? For me, it's honestly mood dependent. So for me, sometimes it's getting out on the bike. Sometimes it's a hard run. Sometimes it's an easy walk, an ocean swim, an ocean dip. Sometimes it's legs up the wall and belly breathing. It's sitting in the sauna, infrared sauna. Um, It's laughing with a friend. It's crying with a friend. It's, you know, it really depended on what's going on. I think the key for me is just I have a a wide range of tools. There's not just one thing that works for me. Um, It's, yeah, it's very life and event dependent. And even in this world we're currently living in, what worked for me last year as a technique as we went through the initial phases of lockdowns and things, Coming into a second year of that, the same strategies haven't worked. So I think the adaptability of um, finding different tools that work to help reduce stress is is key and not just being like, oh, 
um, my usual tool is X. It's not working. Therefore, I'm just going to continue being stressed. <laughs> you know, there, there's <laughs> layers of tools that you can use. Absolutely. I think that variety is so, so important. And I think if anything last year taught us was to be a bit more adaptable. <laughs> oh, no. I think our motivation is different. Obviously, our stress levels are different. So I love that you have variety in your life. I think it's so important. Yeah, I, um, I haven't always been that way. I would say I would have been more, you know, regimented and firm in my routines and things. I'm much more fluid and flexible and adaptable. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting growth. Amazing. And so let's maybe start off with you telling us and the audience about yourself, what you do, how and why did you start your business? So I have Holistic Endurance, which is a coaching service for any form of athlete that wants to pursue and push the limits of performance in a healthy way that we can maintain hormone balance and mental health balance and wellness balance while pushing the edges of performance. And so that started, oh, gosh, I think eight years ago now. Uh, and more recently, I now focus on sports nutrition after completing my postgrad in human nutrition. So holistic endurance started mostly as a, a women-specific service because I saw them more frequently breaking down and not able to pursue their love of sport or performance or endurance because it just wasn't working for them. And then the longer I specialised in that realm of hormone balance for athletes, the more I saw men too. And it's very interesting uh, to have watched that evolution of uh, the awareness of the male and female athletes both can succumb to hormone imbalance uh, from training and performance pursuits, but also just life stress. Um, so I started Holistic Endurance out of a passion project because I was also struggling. And as an athlete, I didn't, athletic pursuits never came naturally to me. I've um, Triathlon and half Ironman, Ironman has been my love, but performance-wise, it didn't come naturally to me. And so I would often ask um, my coaches and be like, you know, um, each month I really struggle with my menstrual cycle. I would love to match my adaptation or recovery weeks with my premenstrual week when I'm not feeling so good to allow me more um, balance and I'll never forget those initial conversations this is a while ago now and when we're thankfully not in that same mindset as we were back then but it was fobbed off and it wasn't taken on board or recognized and so I fought for it and I really paved a way for coaches and athletes to build a framework where you can match your adaptation at the right times of your menstrual cycle to get the most out of your body but the same with honoring hormonal fluctuations even if you're in perimenopause or menopause and also for male athletes to understand what their signs are because they're not as obvious as a menstrual cycle uh, so that's been my mini crusade is really 
making a big difference on the endurance industry specifically to really show people that they don't have to suffer through um, their pursuits of performance or challenge, whatever is in front of them, and that's from your recreational athlete right up to your elite. Uh, It's the same principles. Amazing, and I love that the journey started with you and you were seeking all that advice and information and then you somehow navigated into that field. I think that's beautiful and it's always so nice to go through your own journey and that's, I think, a lot of coaches are then able to give so much to their clients because they've been through what their clients are experiencing. So I think that's so lovely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the early days, I assumed that, say, my experience of the ebbs and flows of energy and performance in the menstrual cycle were what most experience. And over time, I've seen that it does uh, express differently. And so that's been a wonderful way to apply the science and, and apply the anecdotal evidence to shift the perspective of okay what is this athlete presenting me with in terms of when are their symptoms at their worst why is that what can we work on is it gut is it stress management is it the training load what's not quite right that's exacerbating these symptoms number one and then number two match the training with that so we don't make life harder for that person or athlete um yeah so really just observing the person in front of you if you're a coach and if you are within yourself pursuing a fitness goal and you know it's not quite feeling right but you're being told to do xyz i would i would challenge that and i would i would say that your intuition and your bodily knowledge is above anyone else's degree that's for sure absolutely i'm a strong believer in that i think people know their own bodies and if they really sort of tune into their bodies um their body will actually give them a lot of the answers um Mm. i completely agree with that and so then for those that don't know what exactly does a performance or endurance coach do Good question because each of us is going to tackle this role i think quite differently for me what it looks like is I work with athletes around the world so that we're not face-to-face frequently. Um, I used to have lots of face-to-face athletes, but now I'm more specialising in people that uh, really need this unique knowledge um, in terms of matching um, hormone and health with performance. And so what that looks like is constant communication through a training platform like Training Peaks where their data gets uploaded. I analyze their data of pace, heart rate, how much stress are they under, how much soreness are they experience, what's their mood like, chatting about their nutrition. So that's um, the coaching side of things. And then um, when I'm not communicating with them, it's looking at their program and I take a very um, data-based approach, even though I'm quite an intuitive person. I like to match the two together. And uh, so I work on programming 
around if we're looking at a female athlete, uh, what information I have around their menstrual cycle or hormones and what's happening in their life. So if I know there's a wedding or an event or a, a deadline at work, I think it's really important to program around and factor in those life stresses or hormonal changes. Um, and then leading into a, an event, it's part of our role is to plan like a pacing strategy, a sports psychology strategy and mental approach to how they're going to face adversity. And then also looking at a sports nutrition strategy. And that's absolutely my favorite thing to do. Um, and then as a sports nutritionist, I help people who, gosh, with an array of things, they might have been, have gone through uh, burnout they might be working towards a major race and want to plan for that event and how much fuel to take in and hydration they might have gut issues or hormone imbalance and so what that role looks like is meeting with um, clients one-on-one uh, -on -one, usually starting with pathology testing so I don't like to prescribe much if anything until I've seen pathology results and then from there, uh, constantly measuring progress. So getting them to write down their mood, stress levels, gut symptoms, et cetera, so we can see what's working and what's not and not doing too much at once because we dilute the effectiveness of all the knowledge of what we know is or isn't working. I'm someone that um, has had a lot of health struggles in the past and it's gone up and down and back and forth and practitioners there and practitioners here and so I really have seen the value in consistent progress, even if it's making 1% progress, 1% consistently over time um, compounds to being much greater than inconsistent, taking one step forward and 10 back. <clears throat> so that's my general rule of thumb. Uh, so I'll start with pathology and looking at someone's nutritional intake and guiding them through i'm traditionally not a handholder cheerleader i'm an educator and a guide so i like to inform people with why they're making changes because ultimately i don't want them to see me long term i want to give them the knowledge so that in a year's time two years time they can pull on those resources and make wise decisions based on what they've learned and not always be reliant on a you know an appointment to uh, give them what they the knowledge they need does that give you a good picture of absolutely. my role absolutely and I love the you know making little changes one step at a time because I've also had my health struggles and I think sometimes when you're not well or something isn't working in your life we try and seek information from so many sources and we try and change mm. everything and then we don't actually know which bit is working <laughs> and which bit isn't working. So I love that approach. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, it's definitely worked really well for me. I uh, have seen through myself and athletes over years that it's the small progress consistently always, always outperforms the go hard fall down, <laughs> crash, burn, <laughs> burn out, <laughs> um, whatever phrase you want to use. Um, and so that's where not comparing to other people's journeys is incredibly valuable. 
This episode is brought to you by the Stressless Journal. After spending most of my 20s chronically stressed, I came down with a mystery chronic illness at the end of 2015, which I'm sure was caused by my inability to manage stress and anxiety. While on my journey to better health, I discovered journaling and it helped me so, so much in dealing with my stress and anxiety and in processing my feelings and emotions. And this is why I created the Stressless Journal. The Stressless Journal was created to encourage modern professional perfectionist women to take back control of their stress and to help them create more balance in their life. The journal provides women with tools to help them view stress in a different light and to better manage the impact that it has in their lives. It encourages women to take back control and help them live their lives in the present moment. If stress is something you struggle with on a daily basis, then this journal is for you. You can purchase your copy of the Stressless Journal by heading to the Knowing Her Wellness website shop, www.knowingherwellness.com.au forward slash shop forward slash. Now let's get back into today's episode. So in your opinion, how does long-time stress affect endurance training? Yeah, so this is a really important concept that stress can be stress itself can be physical it can be mental it can be perceived or it can be actual so we've got four scenarios there and training itself is a stress and it can be a positive stress absolutely to build fitness but it can also detract and be a negative stress Um, and it becomes a negative stress or when uh, the load is too intense or the volume is too high, so the the duration per week, or the recovery is too low, so it's not matched to the amount of training that someone is doing, or someone's uh, perceived level of stress and what they're going through in day-to-day life is sitting at a really high or moderate baseline, therefore they can't tolerate as much physical stress because they're under mental, perceived or actual stress. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So there are ways around that. I have a lot of people that come to me who are at that fork in the road and have been I guess, placed with that decision of do I stop my pursuit of my goal, whether that's a 10K or a 100K event um, or an eight-hour ride or a one-hour ride. And that's a really hard decision because often endurance sport brings people a lot of joy. It gives them um, a sense of belonging and camaraderie and commitment. Um, it's a way to explore courage and adventure and it really aligns to people's values. So when a doctor or a practitioner or a loved one or a friend or a random person on the street says, I think you should stop doing that, it's not that simple. Um, And I want people to know that there is a grey area to help uh, have the two exist. So we can acknowledge the fact that someone's under a lot of stress in their life, but that doesn't mean they have to stop pursuing 
endurance sport or sport or, or high performance just means we need to make alterations and we need to elevate the effort going into rejuvenation and tweak the type of training and the volume of training uh, and slowly build them up. So it's not, it's not all or nothing, I guess, is the message. If, if you're struggling, the answer isn't generally just to completely stop. There are absolutely ways to make this work for people who are going through burnout or a lot of um, stress and we're all under a lot of stress right now no matter where you are in the world or what life circumstance you're in we are not in a normal environment so there is a higher level of baseline stress and we need to take that in consideration when we're pursuing um, endurance sport so um, a training session whether that's endurance related or not any type of training is going to elevate your cortisol level and that's a great thing it shouldn't be demonized the problem is when the cortisol level cortisol level doesn't come back down and so what's important is to match your training with rejuvenation and recovery so when we finish training the important thing is to stop recover breathe legs up the wall not rush off to a meeting or heavy traffic like give your body the time to bring that heart rate down and cortisol down um, additionally by um, say going into a, a fasted state and not eating and recovering properly and not having say enough carbohydrates or protein post-workout is also another form of stress so it's ticking these critical boxes to enable you to do what you want to do um, I'm someone that like right now I could in say 12 weeks time I could choose to do an Ironman. Got a base level of fitness. What it would take if I wanted to do that is, yes, there's a bunch of training I'd need to do. That's a no-brainer. It's like that's a really easy given in my eyes. The hard part is matching the amount of recovery, nutrition, and sleep that you need to get to be able to handle that training because if you don't adapt to training, you don't get fitter your training becomes a waste of time. So without adaptation, you don't have fitness. And I think that is the most important thing for people to understand, whether that's endurance-related or it's weight loss training or it's power training, whatever it is, you don't improve and you don't progress without adaptation would be yeah. the most important to take away, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I know I think people... I love what you said there about cortisol and stress and I go on about this all the time. It's like that little amount of stress is not bad for you. It's when you've experienced chronic stress for an extensive period of time. That's when it becomes an issue. Um, yeah. I think it's just being able to know and understand when you're feeling stress and how much stress you're actually under at a particular time. That's important. Yeah, it's... Um what's fascinating is i conduct uh, regular testing with my athletes so every four weeks i'll get them to redo a, a time trial and one of them in particular is an aerobic time trial so it's an easy run which is what's called a, a it's usually in a heart rate zone of zone two um, if anyone's familiar with the me method of math maf that's what i'm talking about so we do a math test every four weeks <clears throat> and I've seen some extraordinary things happen. So let's say someone does a, a test um, today and their pace is 
they're having to jog walk. So it's like eight minutes 30 per kilometre. They're quite, they're struggling and they can't get their heart rate down and it's really um, uh, reactive and it's sitting at a high baseline. In four weeks' time, I could get that person to redo that same test, same um, conditions, distance, um, same temperature, same wind, all the things, and they could do that at 6 minutes 30 per kilometre. And the difference would be that they're less stressed, they've done belly breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, um, they've perhaps got more sleep the night before. It makes a humongous difference. And it, there's no way physiologically that someone has raised their VO2 max or their actual cardiac output and fitness that much in four weeks. Not going to yeah. happen. But what, And I see it go back and forth based on stress response. And so it's a beautiful reminder because obviously an athlete, if, as an athlete, if you do an event or a time trial and you don't get the result you're after or you're expecting, but in Two weeks later, you can absolutely demolish that. It's like, oh, hold on, what was going on for me that day? Was I dehydrated? Was I stressed, sleep deprived? You name it, anything could be happening. And so I think becoming data is important, but intuitive intuition trumps data always. And I see where athletes get into trouble is where they dismiss their intuition or they're not tapped into it at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone's a little bit different, aren't they? Some people are really science-driven mm. or numbers-driven and they really look at that rather than listening to their own body and knowing what their body's trying to tell them. And so then how does someone know if they're too stressed to train, for example? Mm. So there's a f few ways we can look at this. Um, I would say the gold standard is utilising what's called heart rate variability. And you can do that with a heart rate monitor or there's a finger monitor that can attach to your phone. Um, some apps can just measure it by having your finger over the camera on your phone. So heart rate variability, I can link you guys to some apps that I would recommend. And... That heart rate variability looks at how stressed your nervous system is, and that could be from training or it could be from life. Um, it's not going to tell you that you're stressed from life or you're stressed from training. Obviously, you need to yes. make those conclusions. Um, so it will help. It's a really great indicator as to how well you've recovered from whatever's going on in life. <clears throat> so if you are struggling to make a decision whether you should train on a certain day or whether you should go hard or go easy i find heart rate variability takes that confusion doubt or decision away it's really simple um, so that would be my gold standard the other way to know is intuition so if you're unsure whether you should train or not my rule of thumb is start and do 10 minutes really easy if you don't feel better by that 10 minutes or it's feeling really sluggish heavy your heart rate's higher than normal your breathing rate is higher than normal and you just don't feel good walk stop ride home whatever you're doing and then you've got a, a 20 minute movement session under your belt which is likely going to help your mental health and clarity anyway and you you gave it a shot you did something 
and you, you it's that that phrase don't die wondering yeah <laughs> and so it if you hadn't tried that 10 minutes, you probably would have beaten yourself up all day for doing nothing. Whereas if you gave it a shot, it's like, well, I know that was the right decision not to train because I gave it a, a go. Um, the other way to look at it is if you're a data person, you don't want to do heart rate variability or don't have access to that technology, it's tracking your soreness, tracking your stress, tracking um, niggles, inflammation, hydration, all those things to put the puzzle pieces together. Uh, also, the other thing to mention is sometimes when you're highly stressed, exercise is a great outlet. And so perhaps the, the intention of the session shifts from being about a PB or performance or ticking that session off and the intention becomes I want to shift this stress, I want to shift this mood and I want to come out with some endorphins. And so if you are stressed and you don't feel good to train, do something that involves movement to boost those endorphins. And that's often when you might feel angry and frustrated. That's generally um, what people will go for. Yeah. And I think that's a great outlet and you don't want to, um, again, this is intuition. If that's what feels right for your body, go do it. Just don't do it for a prolonged period of time that's going to make you feel worse the next day. So we're talking like a 20-minute bust out of um, energy to lift your mood and lift your energy, not drain it, and then match that with some rest time afterwards. And uh, this, everyone is busy. I get that. But. All it takes is five minutes of belly breathing with your legs up the wall and chilling out it can make the world of difference to your recovery and mindset. Absolutely. And I definitely use um, fitness for my mental state. It definitely feel better. But, yeah, you're right. It just depends what a person wants to achieve and what they use movement and exercise for. Oh yeah, I just thought of, sorry, I just thought of something else. Like yeah. the other thing is if someone is at a high competition phase, so they're either elite athlete or they're coming into an event and just before a race, the, usually your programming is designed for you to have a high amount of physical stress. Uh, and that stress is a positive stress and it's in the recovery and the taper and that adaptation that you're going to see those benefits. And so if you're working with someone, a coach, etc., but you also ask them, it's like, am I meant to be feeling this tired, sore, etc.? And it may just be that that week you're in a peak week and it's meant to feel a little bit hard. And that's okay so long as, you know, in a week's time that recovery and adaptation is coming and you see the, yeah. the benefits of, of pushing through at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess as women we're very good at burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. I guess what are your tips around having balance with life stress and finding balance with fitness stress so that you are able to function at your optimal level when you're training? This is going to look really different for everyone. Um, and, you know, balance is so relative. Like um, what I consider balance would be considered uh, 
um, balance to someone else. <clears throat> and so that's the first thing to get really clear on is what does balance look like to you? What does that mean to you? What tips you off kilter how much is too much how much is too little get those values and those frameworks right and use that as your guide and then once you've got that um, I designed a rejuvenation protocol and I'll link you to that information and what the rejuvenation protocol guides you through is selecting key activities to engage in on a daily and weekly basis to help you match your training stress life stress with rejuvenation so that you come out on top and can be more consistent, but also work towards managing hormonal health uh, and, and mental wellness as well. And so uh, there's about 30 different activities in the rejuvenation pro protocol um, for you to choose from, and it's really like a choose-your-own-adventure. And so you look through those activities and which ones suit you. Like for someone lying in a bath with candles and Epsom salts is going to sound like bliss. And for someone else, they're going to sit there really agitated and not enjoy it. So you've got to choose what feels right for you and your rejuvenation <clears throat> and what you're going to enjoy. It's going to give you that, that positive, um, positive uh, <laughs> reinforcement is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, and so the guide steps you through, well, if your training is two hours today, you need X amount of points. Um, and, for example, having 30 grams of protein with X amount of grams of carbs post-workout is going to give you 20 points, for example. So you're a quarter of the way towards your daily points that you need. Um, a massage would give you, say, 30 points. Um, that's not something you're going to do daily. That's more of a weekly thing. Or monthly depending on what you're doing um there's there's hydration strategies in there there's saunas and ice baths there's um like foam rolling yoga mobility there's lots of ways to bring this uh quote-unquote balance into your life yeah uh, that also so that's the rejuvenation activity side of things but the other side of it is the simple what sound really simple but often get missed do a proper warm-up do a proper cool down they're really critical and people miss them and that goes a really long way to longevity uh, and when I say longevity um, I mean even just consistently being able to train for 12 weeks straight not just 12 years it works in both ways and obviously when you've got 12 weeks worth of consistency um you're going to be happier, healthier and fitter. Absolutely. And I, I think I used to be really bad with the warm-up, <laughs> the cool-down. Yeah. Um, well, I became a Pilates instructor and really obviously saw the benefit in it all, but I would literally dash to a workout, finish the workout and bolt off back home. But I, I do agree. I think it's so important and makes such a difference to your training. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when I give this advice, please know that I've, I've been down the other path. I've been down the path of too much training, too much intensity, not enough good food, thinking, oh, yeah, I've trained 15 hours today. I can regularly have chocolate. That's not going to be a problem. And it's, it's anyways, I was stuck in this old, old mentality of calories in, calories out, and it just doesn't work from an energy perspective and a hormonal balance perspective um, and just leads you down this path of inflammation. And that 
bit me really hard. I missed out on key life events. Like I remember Christmas, I really struggled and couldn't get out of bed one year. Um, I missed enjoying time with friends. I missed events. I missed major goals because I pushed and pushed and pushed and did all the wrong things. So this information comes from someone that has been there who's for and been resistant against what's good for me. So I get it if this is all feeling a bit like, ugh, I don't want to do this or that sounds too fluffy, a bit woo-woo. I get it because that was me. I remember I yeah. hated yoga. I hated yin yoga in particular. I was like, oh, just get me out of here. I don't, you know, like I know I have to do this, but I don't want to. Uh, but now, oh, my gosh, I miss it so much, particularly pandemic, can't do it. And I, when I get there, I love it and I'm just immersed and I come out floating and I'm bliss. And I just, I, every time I reflect, I'm like, who am I? I can't believe I love this. <laughs> I know. It's that, I think it's just that slowing down, I think, Sometimes it's just not in people's personality to slow down. And I remember when I wasn't well, I started meditation and yoga. And then I, I was like, have, have I gone through life not doing this? You know, it just makes such a big difference. You made a really, um, really good point there. So I was very resistant to this whole idea of slowing down. A lot of people were telling me that you need to slow down, you need to slow down. And as an athlete, like slow is what you, you know, repel against. Like, no, that's not my goal. I, <laughs> I'm not slow. Yeah. I'm not going to be slower. Um, and so I reframed it to I needed to calm down. And there's that if you can bring calm to multiple moments throughout your day, whether it's breathing or rest and recovery, um, or it's just doing a proper cool down to calm your nervous system. That counts just as much. And it's, so it's really just how you frame it. You don't have to, quote unquote, slow down. Yeah, it's what we tell our brain is what we think, I think. Um, yeah. That's my, been my motto. So then what are some actionable steps that women can take if they are I guess, thinking of starting their fitness journey or if they've had a bit of a break and how can people support their bodies with the right nutrition during that time? Yeah, so if you're just getting started, um, let's stick to the, the critical things of proper warm-ups and cool-downs. That'll make sure you don't get injured and then you can't do what you want to do, uh, but also it will help your hormone balance. Um, make it a rule that you spend five to ten minutes after every training session doing belly breathing or legs up the wall or some sort of chill out style session mobility work or regular like yin yoga practice for example so if you're starting a fitness journey make sure you choose what your recovery is going to look like and put if you put your training on the calendar your recovery should also be on the calendar that's a great way to make it happen particularly if you're trying to coordinate families and busy schedules <clears throat> in terms of the right nutrition i feel nutrition is super individual in terms of what's right for one person won't be right for the next as a foundational rule across the board just food from the ground uh, anything that is natural and unprocessed is what we want to aim for as much as possible um i see 
when people start a fitness goal, they'll often also hold back calories and that is a big stress and creates inflammation. So don't hold back calories while starting a fitness journey because that can be a bit of a recipe for disaster. We want to make sure that whatever your nutritional approach is, that it's tailored to you. And that might look like a lower carbohydrate. It might look like a moderate carbohydrate. But with those carbohydrates, we just want them to come from whole food sources. So, for example, sweet potato and potato over white bread. As a great example, there's far more nutrients in that from a recovery and inflammatory point of view. Um, protein, uh, from an nutritional perspective, gets missed. It's like people often focus on the fats and the carbs as areas of intention, but I would like as much focus on getting enough protein in, particularly if you've done like a weight session or a, um, an intervals style intensity session. That's really critical um in terms of supporting their nutrition 80 20 is good um i don't believe you have to go all in and be perfect all the time but you do need to really respect that what you're trying to achieve with your body in terms of pushing it through hard sessions needs the right fuel to recover from it otherwise why are you doing it do this session yeah. and you eat trash, like you're completely negating it. I'm not talking from a, just a calories perspective. I'm talking about from a um, the nutrients that your brain needs to feel good, the nutrients that your gut needs to digest food and have energy um, and recover from the session you've just done so that you can get up the next day and do another one and adapt from it and get better, faster, stronger, more powerful. That's what I'm all about. Yeah, I totally agree because... You know, we've all been there. We sort of have a good workout and we're like, I can have the wine, I can have the junk food, I can have everything. And we literally undo everything that we've worked so hard for. So mm. I think it's important to not be in that mentality all of the time. Yeah, and I think, um, I think it's really important to enjoy life. So find ways, um, like healthy treats that you really enjoy so that you can have that reward system and not feel like you're depriving yourself. I think that's really important. Um, there's always a way to make swaps that can be healthier choices and still give you a, a sense of um, really enjoying food. Life is to be enjoyed, number one. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all your knowledge, Katie. And I'll make sure I pop all the links in the show notes and also the link to your rejuvenation program. But where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Where do you hang out, as I like to call it? Mm -hmm. I mostly hang out on Instagram, so Katie underscore Holistic Endurance, and that's Katie with a double E. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Holistic Endurance. Otherwise, jump onto the website, holisticendurance.com.au. You will learn lots about me there but mostly you can dive into all these topics we've discussed today in greater detail and have probably a lot of your answers um sorry questions answered uh and if they're not shoot us a message on the website and i'll link you to some resources i did write a book called healing the grumpy athlete that's a great place to start if you're menstruating 
female um, who is pursuing some form of sport, particularly endurance, that will teach you how to match your training to your, your hormones. Amazing. Thank you so much, lovely. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have loved and enjoyed today's podcast, then please share it with your friends and family. If you have any comments or would like to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at Knowing Her Wellness. See you soon for the next episode of Too Blessed to Be Stressed.